The following podcast is a presentation of the PTB Media Network. What's up, PTB Nation? Welcome to episode 11 of Parking the Bus here on the PTB Media Network. It is Sunday night, and that means it's time to talk football here on the PTB Media Network. We've got a lot to talk about tonight. Once again, action-packed episode. There's always so much to talk about every Sunday night here on Parking the Bus. And uh, we had, for the first time in a long time this weekend, uh, an international break. So we got an international football to talk about for the first time in a very long time. And I have to say, I have gone on the record plenty of times, and I have been vocal about I. I don't always like these international windows. I like my club football. I don't like it to be disturbed with the international breaks. But the way it's been so crazy in 2020, we are yet to have an international weekend in 2020. This is the first international window in 2020. And I have to say it was ha- it was wonderful to have international football back this weekend. And yes, I'm sure... <laughs> As you can imagine, uh, those of you that know me, I am ecstatic about the performance put on by Portugal in this international window. It was phenomenal. Uh, it was the best football I've seen Portugal play in at least in at least ten years, and has us all all us Portugal fans feeling very very excited about the very near future. But it's not just about that. Okay, this was some good some good results. We're going to catch up with Leo Kukakis of D-Gens United a little bit later in the show in the Sunday Night Sportsbook. And we're going to run right through all of the UEFA Nations League results. All right. and But before we get there, we're going to talk about some of the club football going on in the world. Where they didn't stop for international football, it was mostly a European thing. So we're going to hit on some leagues. And last week in in the previous episode, in episode 10, we didn't really get to too many results. So I'm going to touch on some results in some leagues this week to catch back up to speed. Now, we're going to start our episode this week in the United States, in North America to be exact. Uh, because not every team is from the United States. But we are going to Major League Soccer to start here on episode 11 of Parking the Bus. If you don't know by now, I am the Mr. Mike Agustinu, and I am your host every Sunday night here for Parking the Bus. So let's go down the fixture list starting yesterday in Major League Soccer. It was Saturday, September the 5th. 
Houston Dynamo 2, Sporting Kansas City 1, Orlando City 1, Atlanta United 1, Vancouver Whitecaps 3, Toronto FC 2, San Jose Earthquakes 1, Colorado Rapids 1. And now results earlier today with some matches in in progress as we speak also. As we'll pull up today's results, starting with DC United nil, NYCFC New York City FC nil, New York Red Bulls nil, Philadelphia Union three, Chicago Fire one, New England Revolution two, Columbus Crew three, Cincinnati or FC Cincinnati I should say nil, Inter Miami. And Nashville SC are currently playing as we speak. It is 11 p.m. right now. It looks like they're still playing. I'm going to guess that there was a weather delay there in Miami, which is quite common this time of year. Well, for Lauderdale to be exact. But in the 60th minute, it is nil-nil right now down in South Florida. Minnesota United earlier today, 4-0 winners over Real Salt Lake. Seattle Sounders and Portland are at halftime right now, and it is 1-1 at Century Link Field in Seattle. And lastly, we have LA Galaxy versus LAFC. El Trafico, once again, they are in Carson, California. It is a home game for the Galaxy. 25th minute, and it is nil-nil right now. Let's go over the table in Major League Soccer. Starting the Eastern Conference. Columbus Crew are top of the table with 10 matches played, 23 points. Five back are Philadelphia on 18 with 10 played. Toronto FC are also on 18 with 10 played. Fourth is Orlando City. They have 16 points from 10 matches. Fifth is New England Revolution, 14 points from 10 matches. Then in sixth, we have Montreal Impact. Only eight matches played for Montreal Impact. They've got 13 points sitting in sixth. New York City FC, 13 points in seventh. The final playoff spot right now belongs to New York City FC. And then in eighth is Atlanta United, 11 points from nine matches. In ninth, New York Red Bulls, 11 points from 10 matches. So two of the teams you're used to seeing at the top of the Eastern Conference, two of the teams you're used to seeing compete for the for the Supporters' Shield, find themselves outside of the playoff picture right now, both on 11 points. In 10th, it's D.C. United on 10 points from 10 matches. Nashville FC has 9 points from 9 matches. Of course, they're playing right now in Fort Lauderdale against Inter-Miami FC. 13th place, Chicago Fire. They are on 8 points from 10 matches. And in 14th place, Inter-Miami CF, 5 points from 9 matches. Western Conference table, as it stands right now, with games in progress. Keep that in mind. Sporting Kansas City is top of the table, 17 points from 10 matches. Seattle Sounders, 16 points from 9 matches. Minnesota United SC, 14 points from 9 matches. Los Angeles FC has 13 from 9 matches. They're in 4th. Houston also 13 from 9 matches. In 5th, LA Galaxy 6th with 12 points. Portland Timbers 7th in the final playoff spot for now. 12 points. Real Salt Lake have 11 points. They're in 8th. FC Dallas are in 9th with 10 points. Vancouver in 10th with 9 points. 
Colorado also on nine points, as is San Jose. So in the Supporters' Shield right now, it is Columbus with a five-point lead over Philadelphia and Toronto. Western Conference leader Sporting Kansas City is fourth, six points back. And that is where MLS stands right now. So now that we have discussed MLS, we're staying in North America. And I'm now going to throw this up north of the border, north of the 49th parallel. We're going to Ontario to our friend Mario Mata. And Mario has a report and an update on the Canadian Premiership. Take it away, Mario. Thank you for joining for another report from the Canadian Premier League and bringing you all the updates from north of the border here. Uh, it's Mario speaking on the Parking the Bus program. And today, as I mentioned last week, is the conclusion of the first phase of the Canadian Premier League. There is one more match remaining in a moment uh, as I do record this. Today we're going to have Pacific uh, versus Edmonton. And uh, to round up the table and all the games will be played to determine the conclusion of this league structure and who is going to the group stage. The condensed schedule, as uh, the regulars who have watched this show have come to learn, is allowed for a very exciting format where within just a couple of weeks you had every game meaning uh, quite a bit. Um, so let me just round out the table at the moment. I'm going to start from the bottom of the A-team league. We have Edmonton, which had an absolutely brutal tournament, right now sitting with only one point, with one more game to round off this weekend. Atletico Ottawa, the newest member of the Canadian Premier League, is actually sitting with eight points. Valor, which just blew their opportunity, ended up being with eight points. Also, they are now eliminated. Uh, and same with Atletico Ottawa, having played seven games. And the remaining fifth team, Pacific, is the team that's going to be facing Edmonton today. They are sitting with eight points. The top four do qualify, which is York 9 sitting with ten points, meaning that if Pacific do get the win against Edmonton, which has been struggling quite bad this whole tournament, they will advance, and they will have 11 points knocking out York 9, which is in fourth at the moment with 10. And the current three teams that are guaranteed advancement are in third place, Forge FC with 12 points, the Halifax Wanderers with 12 points, and Calvary with 13 points. Now, when I did uh, announce this league itself in the few episodes back and kind of talking about the structure I did mention that Halifax were uh, one of the favorites uh, just mainly due to that home advantage and uh, in a sense having them play in their own backyard PI is rather close to where they they do actually play themselves Uh, it's interesting to see them advance and uh, not that I have a dog in the race in either category it would be interesting to see if Pacific uh, does pull off the result needed against Edmonton to ensure they have that uh, top spot uh, there, uh, which would kind of have the two East Coast teams and the two finalists from last year in this final group stage format. Now, this group stage format will be basically each of those four teams facing off against each other over the next couple of weeks, starting September 9th, ending on September 15th. So, again, a very tight and quick condensed format. Uh, but before I quickly jump onto that, just looking one more time back at this league table itself, the accumulation of 
seven games played per team resulted in 70 goals. So it's a, an interesting mixture. Again, with one more game to be played, and we'll see what extra goals get added to it. But overall, a very exciting league uh, with uh, quite a bit of action that's been enjoyable. Now, in this group stage, when they face each other uh, twice to find the final two to go to the Canadian Cup final, that winner, as I've said before, will determine the Canadian Premier League champ, but also be facing off with the winner of the MLS sides in their own miniature tournament. Currently, this tournament is in full action, having Toronto FC played last night. And uh, to give you an update on the actual table itself, it is three Canadian teams within the MLS, Toronto FC, the Montreal Impact, and the Vancouver Whitecaps. And that is actually how the table looks at the moment, with TFC holding the lead position with nine points, six points for the Impact, and three points for the Whitecaps. However, the games played have not been rather even. So right now we have TFC with five games played, four games to the Whitecaps with only three points remaining. So it's becoming very difficult for them to actually advance through this. Uh, it, statistically speaking, looks like it's a done game for the team out of the uh, West Coast. However, for the impact, sitting three points behind Toronto FC, they've only played three games compared to Toronto's five. So should the impact clinch their next two results, they'll easily leapfrog over Toronto FC. The Montreal Impact were the winners of the Canadian Cup last year, having beat TFC in that final. And uh, right now they do hold, I would think, an advantage with these these games in hand that TFC do, do have. Um, so it'll be quite interesting to see as this table rounds out over the next week or so, as it should conclude. We'll also be heading close to the conclusion of the group stage, and we'll start getting an idea of the final makeup. Um, it will be quite exciting as this is the second season of the Canadian Premier League as I mentioned in the past. Last year was the first year we had Canadian Premier League clubs in this Canadian Cup, the Voyagers Cup as they call it. Um, having Calvary beaten an MLS side to make it to the semifinals. But this will be the first time in Canadian history where we have a non-MLS side in the final. Um, making it very exciting. Um, and this would be since the three MLS clubs had joined the US uh, League itself. Um, and as a reminder, you do get the CONCACAF Champions League spot for winning that tournament. So lots up for grab. Um, I do like this format, even though it's a bit of a condensed schedule by breaking it into a smaller league format to a group stage to the, the final cup winner and then this other CONCACAF playoff spot. It's made every game uh, worthwhile to watch, every game exciting to see, uh, and it's uh, been an exciting time in terms of the pitch action itself while these have been empty door stadiums with um, or closed door stadiums I should say um, they have started letting some small groups of fans local uh, regional teams uh, and uh, different uh, schools and things of sort letting a few pocketed people enjoy the game so it's adding a small amount of atmosphere and we'll be interested to see if as we've kind of progressed if we'll see a slight increase in that or if it'll be the same but either way, um, this miniature tournament that I think very few people were looking at early on has been action-packed. And uh, just to go back to the table itself, you pretty much leading into the final game weekend with a game for each of these teams to have played. Uh, you had every single team outside of Edmonton that was actually up for grabs on, on a spot. So it was very fun to kind of see it uh, throughout the last couple of days as I've watched these matches unfold. You've had periods of time where each one of these teams actually had advanced to the next round to only see goals scored and actually lose their lead to get themselves knocked out of this tournament. So it's uh, very action-packed, um, which is uh, to be something that we don't see very often in some of the major leagues, where especially the European ones, you tend to have a very top-heavy of 
three to four teams, and that's the only teams in contention. Uh, that's the benefit of a condensed schedule with a very small group of teams. You kind of can have this type of excitement. I look forward to uh, providing everyone an update as we will have that final table concluded. We'll have the first few rounds of the group stage also concluded for next weekend. As I said, the games start on Wednesday the 9th, and they do conclude on the 15th, so by the time I do this report again next week on the 13th, we'll have uh, hopefully a clear indication or a good idea of who might be advanced to the final. Uh, but given the limited number of teams and the way it's been opened, I wouldn't be shocked if come the 13th I still have no idea who's actually going to have final, which makes each game worth watching. Once again, thank you to Mike and everyone that does assist with this Park in the Bus program. That was another report from the Canadian Premier League up north, and you guys have an outstanding week. Thank you, Mario, for that report as the Canadian Premiership finishes up its first phase. And after that report was sent to me today, um, he at the time of recording, of course, there was still one more match to play, as Mario said there. And I have that result earlier this afternoon. It was Pacific FC 2, FC Edmonton 1. And, it, and the disaster campaign for FC Edmonton is finally over, but it was... FC Edmonton getting on the board first today. Easton Ongaro had the goal in the 59th minute, but then in the 64th, Pacific FC drew level from Joshua Hurd. And in the 85th, five minutes from full time, it was Marco Bustos making it 2 1 to Pacific FC, closing out this phase of this tournament. And the nightmare for FC Edmonton is now over. Let's take a look at the final table. He did read it off to you there. Edmonton does finish with just one point, but the four teams, this result was very important because the four teams advancing to the next stage, which will be another three-match round or a single, shouldn't say, it will be another uh, round robin where each team will play each other once. Cavalry FC finished top of the table, as Mario said. They got 13 points. But it is Pacific FC uh, nudging past York 9 FC into that final spot for the next stage. So Cavalry, Halifax, Wanderers FC, Forge FC, the defending champions, and Pacific FC are the four teams advancing to the next stage. And next week, Mario will tell us all about that stage. And like he said, he may already know, depending on how the results go, who the two finalists will be for the Canadian Premiership. Very, very exciting, and I think that's a great outside-the-box thinking job by uh, those that run the Canadian Premiership up there in Canada, in as some call it the Great White North. I call it the True North, strong and free, and... Uh, we will definitely be following that all the way to its conclusion. Now, going to take a quick break here on Parking the Bus, Episode 11. And when we come back, we're going to take the bus and we're going to park it in Mexico. All right, Liga Emekis coming right up here on Parking the Bus. Welcome back to Episode 11 of Parking the Bus. And don't forget to follow the PTB Media Network on Twitter at PTB underscore media and also on Instagram at the same handle at PTB underscore media. Now, 
Let's take that bus and let's pull it up south of the border. We're in Mexico and Liga Emekis has now completed round eight. And we're going to go through the results here in round eight. It got kicked off on Wednesday, September the 2nd, all the way back, if you can remember. And it was one match on Wednesday night. America 2, sorry, America 3, Mezaltan FC 1, Thursday Queretaro 4, Toluca 1, and Pachuca 3, Atletico San Luis 1. Friday, September the 4th, we had Necaxa nil, Leon 2, Cholos Tijuana 2, Monterrey 1, FC Juarez 1, Santos Laguna 1. Saturday, yesterday, we had the final three matches of this round, and it was Pumas 4, Puebla 1, Atlas 1, Cruz Azul 0, Tigres 1, Chivas Guadalajara 3. Let's take a look at the table as some of those results make no sense if you look at the, at the foreman of the last couple tournaments and of the table. But that is Mexican football for you. Anybody can beat anybody on any given night in Liga Emekis. So after eight rounds, everybody has completed eight rounds. Top of the table, El Líder, León with 17 points. Second place is Pumas with 16. Third is Cruz Azul also with 16. And with the same, plus eight a goal difference, the difference... Uh, is Pumas have one more goal scored. Fourth place, America, also on 16 points. Fifth place is Pachuca on 14. Sixth place, Monterrey, have 12. Seventh is Toluca, also with 12. Eighth place is Chivas Guadalajara, they have 11. While Querétaro and Puebla each have 10, as does Tigres and Tijuana, Rounding out the top 12 and the teams that would advance if the season ended today here in Liga Emekis Guardianes, as this that is how what the league has been named for this season rather than being called the Apertura, it's called the Guardi the Guardianes. And 13th place is Santos Laguna, they have nine, they're one point back of the final spot. 14th place is Atlas. They have 8 points. Necaxa, 15th, also with 8. FC Juarez, 16th on 7. Mezatlan FC is 17th with 6. And in the basement, 18th place, Atletico San Luis, 5 points from 8 matches. Let's take a look quickly at some of the the leaders in the league, okay? We're going to start with goal scorers, the top scorer, and there is no surprise here. It's the most expensive player in the league. It is the French international, André Pierre Gignac. Seven goals for Tigres. Second place is the Uruguayan, Jonathan Rodriguez. He's got six goals, one of them from the penalty spot. Alex Canelo of Toluca and Juan Ignacio Deneno of Pumas each have five. They're tied for third place. While Santiago Ormeño of Puebla has four. And then you have a run of... You have seven players with three goals. They include 
Federico Binas of America, Fernando Aristigueta of Mezatlan, Henry Martin of America, Carlos Gonzalez of Pumas, Fernando Goriaran of Santos Laguna, Hugo Silveira of a logo that I don't recognize. I believe that is Querétaro. Uh, yes, he is of Querétaro. Nicolas Ibanez of Atletico San Luis and Nicolas Sanchez of Monterrey. Now, you have a whole slew of players with two and even more with one. So that is where the goal-scoring leaders stand right now. The race for the golden boot. We look at assists and the leader. There are two players leading the way with four assists. Luis Quinones of Tigres and Luis Romo of Cruz Azul. While Omar Fernandez is third with three assists. And then you have a large, large group of players. Far too long to read with two assists. And that is where we sit right now for uh, Liga Emekis and uh, the, it is getting exciting as, as the league continues to go forward. Here are the next fixtures in Liga Emekis coming up the next round. will begin on Tuesday, September the 8th. Atletico San Luis hosting Necaxa, Toluca hosting Juarez, Monterrey hosting Atlas, Chivas hosting Querétaro, and Puebla hosting América. Wednesday, we have León hosting Tigres, Cruz Azul hosting Pachuca, Mezatlán FC hosting Cholos Tijuana, and Santos Laguna hosting Pumas. And those matches will take us to next weekend. And you'll hear results on that next week on the episode 12 of Parking the Bus as it is now time for... And now, without further ado... Let's go to the Sunday Night Sportsbook powered by BetOnline.ag. Well, everybody, welcome back, and it's that time again. It's time for the Sunday Night Sportsbook powered by BetOnline.ag. And here with us again, as every Sunday, from DGensUnited.com and the DGens United podcast, welcome Leo Kukaki. Leo, what's up, brother? What's up, Gabitano? How we feeling this week, buddy? You got to be feeling real good. Oh, I, I'm feeling real good. I mean, Adam real four. good. Like, four, I, four, I'm up here. Those of you watching on YouTube, I'm up here. Normally, I'm like <laughs> here. This week, I am up here. No problem, baby. No problem at all. I don't blame you at all. I feel the same way, man. <laughs> Greece coming through with four points. That's Looking right. dominant today. Yeah, baby. That's right. That's <laughs> International football's back, Leo. It's back. It has been, I don't know, it's been like 10 months. I can't believe it's back. I've never been a big fan of international windows, but this one, they came at a great time, and I was, I enjoyed it immensely. We still got another round of, of matches to go in the next couple of days, but man, I guess I did miss international football after all. Yeah, man, seriously, I just, it feels so good. It looks just so nice. And by the way, your third uni's. Those Sexy. are the backups. Those are the second. Oh, those are the second? Oh, those are baby. the alternates, yeah. Those are the they, they, alternates. I don't blame her for moving them on up, man. Those look real good. <laughs> There's only two <laughs> only two kits now. But, yeah, man, it felt really good. And I especially love the UEFA Nations League because it gives those smaller teams a chance to continue to grow and get better. It's a great and, competition. 
It really is compared to those stupid friendlies that we have to watch. And, you know, you get Huey, Dewey, and Louie out there in the second half and they yeah. don't matter. Nah, man, these games matter. And especially to the lower teams where they can get up to, this, uh, to the third division and, you know, just continue to progress. I absolutely love this competition. And, you know, it, like with the Euro, there is World Cup qualifying on the line in this competition. Someone from that Group D and Group C is going to have a chance to go to the World Cup. As a yeah. result of this, as a result of this competition. That's right, baby. That's right. The Greeks, you damn right, baby. Dude, it, it, how pumped are you if you're San Marino, Gibraltar, or uh, Andorra right now? Yeah, seriously. I mean, like, has there ever been a better chance? Like, dude, Gibraltar Never. was a favorite. Gibraltar was minus three fifty the other day. I almost wet myself when I saw that number. I thought it was a typo. Then I look at San Marino. I'm like, oh my god, dude. Dude, I think I think we can go. Listen, we can go down to Worcester, right? We can go to uh, I don't know where wherever people play these days. We can go down to Worcester State on a Sunday night when the lights are on. Probably assemble eleven guys and give San Marino a match. You know, it's really funny because uh, for those of you watching on YouTube, you can kind of sort of see I'm a bit of a heavy set individual. I'm a solid 270. But like, there have been times when I just think to myself, like, man, I really just want to go get citizenship in San Marino and just go play. Like, how freaking cool would that be, man? I could definitely make that team. Get me a little bit into shape, and pfft, absolutely, <laughs> I'll be Makes the you wonder with the with those. But hey, good for them. You know what? Good for those teams. They finally have something to play for. For yeah. 50 years, all they've all their their ambition has been to try to lose by less than seven eight goals when they play. Now yeah. they're pl- now they're paired with each other. They would never have a chance to play each other before. Now they're paired with each other, and you have a real competitive uh, league D and league C. Well, yeah, I mean it's one of those things that you see with no matter pretty much any team. I mean even the top teams in the in Europe and even the lower teams now. You give them a reason to care, man. Mm-hmm. Give them a reason to care about those games. And it's just human nature. You have a reason to care. You have a reason to try. You get San Marino going against Germany. I mean, you, dude. Right. No matter how hard you try, that game is over <laughs> within 10 minutes. It's 3 nothing. But, I mean, it's, it's really good to see. And especially with these teams in the B division trying to move on up to the A division and try to become mm-hmm. one of the elites. And then you see the guys in the C that and then you have the teams now that got relegated from B to C trying to move back up, like kind of insulted, kind of having that fire in their belly. It's just, it's such a good competition, man. I, th- I think it was a great idea to come up with this competition. I said that when they unveiled it, and a lot of people, a lot of people were negative on it, saying it's just glorified friendlies. But you know what? We've seen much higher quality of play since since we've gone to this competition. And to be honest, what we today call the Euro started off as a competition just like this. Started off with 16 teams playing each other in the last four, went to a, a, a final just like we do with the final four of the Nations League. I right. think, you know, in 20 years, we could look at this competition. It could be a very meaningful competition. Like we said, if they keep putting Euro and World Cup spots up, up for grabs in this competition, there'll be interest. Well, I mean, yeah, unfortunately, Greece kind of learned the hard way uh, with that. <laughs> and, with, and others. They're not the only ones. Yeah, but it was a little bit more personal to me because yeah. they, they that last draw, I believe it was Estonia. I'm pretty yeah, sure it was we, Estonia. That's what we said last week when we talked about it. I think it was yeah, Estonia. Yeah, I mean, that draw against Estonia cost us a place in the Euros. Like, hey, guys, there's a reason to care now. And you know what? It's good to see these teams really caring because I watched a fair amount of these games. There were very few teams that didn't care. Everybody seems to be taking it seriously. And that is just – it's a good thing for everybody, man. It's a good thing for the younger teams that are trying to get better, trying to develop the lower division uh, that are trying to move on up. It's good for the – um 
for even like the group A guys, man, you get to filter oh, yeah. in a little bit of young kids. Um, you get an actual trophy to play for. You have a reason to care. It's just, it's excellent. Great job, UEFA. Yeah, let's let's start on Thursday. All right, do you have the results up with you? I do, I do. All I right, let's start with week. Thursday. That was a big one. This one I I got pretty angry about on a personal <laughs> level. Uh, <laughs> let's go. You were so invested. Yeah, well. Uh, I would watch this game anyway. I'm talking about Germany versus Spain. That's always going to attract me because those are two teams I love to watch play. But one-to-one, all right? Spain equalizes at the very end, offside, no question about it, okay? Uh, Germany's defender is off the f- off the pitch. He's off the field. He's over the line. Therefore, Spain's forward. I forget who scored it. I can pull it up right now. But he's offside, okay? Mm-hmm. The referee doesn't, doesn't see it that way. The linesman misses it. And for whatever reason... No VAR in, in UEFA Nations League. We got VAR in, in club friendlies, but no VAR in UEFA Nations League. Yeah, that was something that I texted you about, too, the other day. And I was like, wait a minute. Is there, is there no VAR in this? It makes no sense to me why there's no VAR. I mean, what? I also, suppose, are there countries in, in League D maybe that don't have the capability of VAR? They don't have cameras? I, I have no idea. I'm trying to what find do you mean? a justification for having no VAR. Pretty soon you're going to see VAR in, in like the New England over 30 league. Like, I mean, it's, <laughs> it doesn't take much. You know, it may not be a high quality, but it doesn't take much technology to put some kind of VAR together. Yeah, I mean, really, really interesting. Also, uh, something else that I noticed, they're going back to five substitutions at the start of the year, correct? You know what? We had a discussion about this on the show I was on last night, and it's, it seems to be kind of foggy. The premiership is going back to three. They've announced they're going back to three substitutions. I think UEFA has not said anything yet. Um, Nations League, did they go with five in this Nations League, or was it three? No, I three. Didn't even, it was three. There's only three because I was yelling yesterday. I thought, that yeah. we were, I thought I read something that said it was going to be five throughout the course of this year to kind of make up for the tough schedule and stuff right, like and that. And you're then I was play, waiting for it. In the <laughs> yeah, you're going to play all these matches in a shorter space. They didn't reduce the – the fixture list at all it's the same amount of matches but in a much right. shorter uh, window of time plus you got euro 2021 in june and i think no matter what the situation is it has to go off yeah absolutely. otherwise you know it has to whether there's people in the stands or not it's a different story but they have to play that tournament so i i, I was under the impression until this weekend that we were go, we were going to keep the five substitutions going but uh, i guess that's going to be a day-to-day or week-to-week uh, news story I think that was my only main complaint about the UEFA Nations League was that a couple of the things were unclear. First of all, the VAR. Mm-hmm. Second of all, the substitutions. Those both just kind of threw me off. And I was like, hmm. You know, and just – I think that we follow it pretty much more than most average humans. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they really should have made that clear. Like, and even ESPN, at the start of the broadcast, you guys think maybe you could mention it. So, we had a clue. But – yeah, so we had in this game, Timo Werner gets a Germany on the board in the 51st. Jose uh, Gaia gets, or Gaia, excuse me, gets uh, the equalizer in the 90th plus six. That's the one I'm saying. He was offside. To my eye, it looked like it looked like Germany's defender is is over the line completely. But either way, this one cost me about 50 bucks. Uh, <laughs> I, I was playing with house money, but it's all good. Um, what did you think of this one? I thought it was really interesting. I mean, we were talking about it throughout the course of the match and just Spain, they, they're still sticking with the sticky taka style, but they're just Dude. <laughs> they're I don't understand it. Like like we were saying, they're literally not shooting. They're trying to pass the ball into Did the Did you net see the end just, of the first half? 
Uh, I did not. You went into very detail. <laughs> Literally, Rodrigo's in on a breakaway. And somehow Spain managed to not shoot. <laughs> they managed to pass it through like five or six different players around inside the penalty area. And time expires before they get a shot off. I've never seen anything like that in my life. And yeah. uh, that's, the, uh, that's definitely the tiki-taka. Yeah, special. but hey, they won possession. We all know how you feel about possession, <laughs> Capitano. We've heard it all. I, I Anybody could, that has ever listened to any episode of Parking the Bus. I, can't, I cannot resist but to say, hey, they won possession. I don't even know if they did. Let's check 57%. That. They won, yeah. yeah That's man. a loss in their book. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they might as well just give that point back. But uh, yeah. a lot of good – I'm really enjoying the, like, Group B stuff. Yeah. Like, there's so many good Group B matchups, like, sneaky good matchups, like Wales-Finland. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've always been a huge fan of Finland, especially with Timo Puki. Like, I love that dude. He's made me a lot of money, to be yeah, fair. Let, yeah, let's, let's look at uh, League B. Uh, the other result in League A on Tuesday was Ukraine 2, Switzerland 1. Okay. Uh, Lee, you want to say before, something? Yeah, before we move on. Since when did those two teams learn how to score? Uh, Since Thursday when? at about two forty-five Eastern time here in the we, United we States, we were all over the under two and a half. Yeah. and oh, you know this very well. Hadi Safarovic, dude, he's turned. In, uh, I'm guessing it's the new coach at Benfica because he scored a screamer this weekend. Yeah. Since <laughs> when, bro? I'm sitting on the under, and I got this tool shooting from thirty yards away and burying it. And by the way. Uh, Ukraine, I love the Ukrainian style. I love how they sit back. Mm-hmm. I love how organized they are. I've always been a huge fan of that. Um, but Payetov, bro, it's time to retire, man. <laughs> like, listen, dude, I watched you with Shakhtar. I watched I, you get this. I would say, I was Inter. thinking that already in the, in, the Euro, in the Europa League. Wow. Wow, dude. You look old. You look terrible, man. And I'm a guy that watched Nico Polivi basically play till he was out there with his walker. Yeah. But, bro, you need to go home. You need to stay home. I'm sure you have grandkids by now. Go home and play with them. All right, old man? Let's go to, to League B. We're in Group 3 first. Russia 3, Serbia 1, and Turkey 0, Hungary 1 in Group 3, League B. What do you think there? Do you have Very, anything going on that, or is that Gambling-wise, no. Um, I didn't have a whole lot going um, that day, the only play that I had was actually the three plays that we had on Thursday were Germany to win outright, they end up losing. Mm-hmm. We had the under in the Ukraine Switzerland game. I felt really good about that, but of course, uh, ends up going over. And then I also had Greece on a pick, but I didn't have anything in League B. Very sad that the Turks lost, though. What a shame. I'm sure you are. <laughs> let's let's go to League C then, and let's start with Greece. Greece Slovenia. What's your your uh, thoughts on Greece in this match particularly? So this match, I thought, I thought this was the best that we played in a long, long time, and it gave me a lot of hope for the future because, you know, we, we're starting to bring in the youth players. We're starting to bring in the younger players like Pavlidis, Liminos, Mandalos, not necessarily young, but he's a very, very good player. He has a lot of potential. Uh, Becasetas, this kid is he's a very, very talented young man. One of the, my favorite things, though, was seeing Zeka back on the field. So yeah, I was going to ask about Zeka when I realized what country he was born in. <laughs> <laughs> I, I no, I noticed him. him. I noticed him in the Europa League, and that's why I was going to bring him up, uh, playing for Copenhagen. And uh, yeah, I didn't even know he was a Greek citizen, to be honest with you. And yeah. um, then I looked into his history, and it, I saw he's played there. But yeah, overall, I watched this game. Also, I had this game going side by side with Germany and Spain, and I was impressed with Greece. Also, I thought you guys were playing. Uh, a nice tempo. You're playing high up the pitch. 
you were putting Slovenia under pressure a lot more than you were absorbing pressure yourself. Yeah. You guys were much more in control than they were. Fantastic and, performance. I don't think yeah. that Slovenia had one, one like clear-cut opportunity to no. score, which was promising. And, and it looked like you guys were always more likely to be the one to steal a winner in this one. 14 shots, six on target. I mean, mm-hmm. I know you're not a huge fan of the 61%, but I feel like it was good possession. But it, I, it I like attacking. it was good possession. Exactly. I was going to say that. It, 61% possession is one thing, but it was, it was uh, productive possession, what I call it. Because you're you going forward a lot with that ball. Yeah, one of my favorite statistics that nobody really talks about is the dangerous attacks. So essentially mm-hmm. coming forward, having the ball, having multiple people forward uh, yeah. in the final third. We had 66 times. Uh, we had plenty of opportunities. We had a two-on-one, which only Greece can manage to turn <laughs> a two-on-one breakaway into a two-on-five situation. Like, I know that you <laughs> talked about it with Spain, but trust me, Greece, like, oh, my God. It was so bad. We had a two-on-one up the center of the field. And I forgot who it was. I think it might have been Becaseta. He goes to put a ball toward Pavlidis, but instead of giving it to, to Pavlidis' feet, and, you know, like kind of leading him in on goal, and I like I kicks it over to the corner flag. I literally threw everything up in the air. I go, you got to be kidding me right now, dude. You got to be joking me with that nonsense. Typical Greece. But overall, really promising performance. Um, the other game that I was really surprised by was how about Russia? Coming yeah. through with a 3-1 win over Serbia, Serbia and it was a yeah. really good performance. I'm always high on the Serbian team. They're another team that I really look at, and I've always been a huge fan of, um, especially with guys like Milinkovic-Savic and uh, especially Mitrovic. I, I love Mitrovic. Yeah. He's yeah. one of my favorites. They still have Tadic on there. They have plenty of talent off the bench as well. Um, really surprising loss to see them go down like that, 3-1 to Russia. They're currently in last in the group with just one point after they drew today too. Uh, really disappointing performance. Yeah, and this is a generation, a lot of them that were in that U-20 team that won the U-20 uh, World Cup. You know, names like like Mitrovic and, and, and Tadic and all these guys, they came out of – there's some notable, no, uh, noticeable names missing from this team, but that's part of the Nations League too is, right. is trying to find that next wave. You know, there's noticeably no Nemanja Matic um, among others. But overall, yeah, I'm with you. I was surprised that, that – this was the performance Serbia gave us, or at least the result. Russia, looking at their their eleven, as I have that here, you know, not an eleven that's going to blow you away. If you watch the Russian Premier League, you're probably going to know this team better than I do. But there, there's really nobody there that that you're going to pull out of a hat and and even name if you if you're going to name a let's say a team of the week, right? Hey man, but the, then you the got Russian Premier League. That's a D-Gen special right there. The 9 and 11 a.m. starts on the East That's Coast. Right. Yeah, baby. You got Artem, uh, Artem Zuba with two goals in this one. He was the man of the match. And, yeah, Russia with a surprising result. They're going to go top of the table. In your group there, everybody after this first, uh, this first match day is, is level on one point. And then there's one more group in, in uh, League C. It's group one, Latvia nil, Andorra nil. That surprises me a little bit. I, th- I expect a little more out of Latvia than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then f- how about this one? Faroe Islands three, Malta two. I, I still cringe every time I hear the Faroe Islands. <laughs> like well, they been... might... Think about it. This They could win this group and be in a playoff with three other teams for a chance to go to the World Cup. I forget how many years it's been. It's been at least five years since Faroe Islands did a double over us. 
It go, it, oh, I yes, know what that, it was. It was either it, the World Cup qualifying or the Euro qualifying. Yeah, I had forgotten that one. And, and um, you and Claudio Ranieri, neither of you can forget. Oh, my that. God, that's right. It, <laughs> we fire Claudio Ranieri and then he goes and wins the league title with Leicester. I may have been the only person on the face of the earth that was rooting against Leicester at that time. Like, no, don't make this guy out to be a good manager. He sucks. So Leicester City supporters, send your um, your thank you cards to the Greek Federation, <laughs> or send, or even better, go to DGens United and listen to Tulio's podcast as a thank That's you. That's right. That's right. You guys owe us. All you Leicester City supporters, you owe me. Make sure you listen. Thank you. <laughs> Let's move on to Friday. All right, we're back in League A, and it's Group One. Italy won. Bosnia Herzegovina won. Netherlands won. Poland nil. What do you think of those two matchups? Uh, the Polish one doesn't really surprise me all that much just because mm-hmm. no Lewandowski. Right. Um, the Italian match, I know Italy was a huge favorite, but on, I'm just not a huge fan of either of these teams. I think both of these teams are fairly overrated. Uh, Bosnia, at this point, they're getting older. There's yeah. no Pjanic on the field. It was pretty much only Zeko. He's the one that scores the goal. Then you have Italy. I mean, Italy is always going to be Italy. a transition period. But, yeah, they have their, their mentality and their methodology. But yeah. they're uh, – they're in, they're still kind of in search of what their modern identity is. You know, they're playing on, on a, a style. They're trying to get away from the stereotypical Italian style, and it's not obviously going well. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, not, there's there's talent there. Maybe, and if I'm not mistaken, Mancini's still their manager, right? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, they they managed to get back in, and they qualified for Euro 2020, which we're going to play next summer. but. It'll be interesting to see how they do because these there's no easy games in the UEFA Nations League. That's another good thing about this competition. Everybody right. is slotted at a level where they belong, so there's no easy matches. Right, so absolutely. They're not going to be able to to rack up points against lesser opposition because they're consistent or because you know they're they're just more efficient. So they're going to have to fight and scrap, and and it's always harder to win that way when you when you don't have the superior technical ability. You have to find it elsewhere. And a team like Bosnia Herzegovina is probably built almost identically to Italy, and can play that style just as well as they can. I wouldn't be surprised if they're bigger and stronger physically than the Italians are. Right, I'm not a huge fan. Um, Netherlands. I'm a huge fan of Bergkamp, by the way. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge, huge fan. I love that kid. Um, Netherlands. Yeah, I mean they kind of look all right. I'm still kind of surprised that they're in Group A, especially after the way they've been playing. Well, they were uh, in the final. They were stuff. in the final. They they lost the final to Portugal in the last nation. Yeah, so. I know, but that's I'm saying they, like that's I'm surprised they go that they by. started off in Group A. And it, yeah, I think they were one of the they were one of the last teams included, but they had uh, just a high enough ranking, I guess. And yeah, very very interesting. But, but in they're Group rebuilding. B, yeah, go ahead. go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you no, off. No, no, go ahead. Cut- we're, we're still working through the kicks here, guys. Uh, <laughs> but Group B was really, really interesting. We had a good hit in Group B. Uh, we had the Northern Ireland-Romania draw. That thing looked dead. Northern Ireland has a red card in the first half. Uh, Romania was already up on nothing. I turned it off and I said, okay, this is over. That was a lot of fun. Um, but, yeah, that one ends up going 1-1. Very, very good result for us. I do kind of want to touch on the Austria-Norway game. I don't know about you, but Austria is one of those teams that everybody just seems to like. They're kind of like a dark horse in every tournament, mm-hmm. and especially bookies too. Bookies love Austria. I don't know what it is. They end up winning 2-1. Mm-hmm. It was a fairly good performance. Um, Norway obviously has Holland, the young superstar, the goal scorer from Dortmund. But, I mean, 
Austria. Everybody loves Austria. I don't. How do you feel about Austria? I'm, I'm not a huge fan of theirs. Uh, listen, I'd be lying if I said I knew much about them, but I, I'm like you. I, I, I'll have to wait and see. They were tough in, in the last Euro. They didn't make the World Cup in 2018, but at Euro 2016, they were tough. Um, they, if I'm not mistaken, got two points out of three matches, but they were tough to beat. And, um, you know, they got, they got one of their top players is from Bayern Munich. Uh, his name's escaping yeah, me right now. David Alaba. Thank you. They have Alaba. I believe they have Arnjatovic too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marcel Sabitzer. I mean, they do have Sabitzer, a little, right. they have a little bit of talent on the field, but I mean, literally, I mean, this is one of those teams that is consistently overpriced and one of those teams that I just love to fade because they always seem to disappoint. And especially with the David Alaba, like people see his name and they're like, yeah, they got David Alaba. Like, That's it. A, we got this. He's a left back. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm sorry, dude. And then they play him as a forward at times. It's like, dude. well, yeah, sometimes that's the reality in national teams, you know. Who does he think he is, Alfonso Davies? Well, Alfonso Davies isn't playing left back <laughs> for Canada either. Um, that's what I mean. He's like yeah. the exact same player, and it yeah. just fascinates me. They're one of those teams that I look at every time, and I'm like, what do people see in this group? <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was there was no Group D play on Friday. Yeah, no. sorry, I had to look at the calendar. That's all right. But yeah, no Group D play. Uh, the Group C matches, they were kind of like the bottom of the barrel with the Group yeah. C matches with Kazakhstan, Lithuania, Albania, Belarus. Nothing really of note there. Mm-hmm. Um. You got, you got a League B uh, matchup here. Scotland won, Israel won, and Slovakia won. Czech Republic three. I can't imagine that that Scotland-Israel game went over well with the Scottish people. I can't imagine either. In their minds, they're still one of the best teams in the world. It's fascinating to me. They're, they just continue. I don't know what it is. And, like, they always get me to believe, too. And that's well, the thing that annoys me. Like, I, I look at the team for some reason, and I'm like, yeah, you know what? Nobody's going to score on them. If they can nick a goal, they'll be good. And every time, it's like they live to disappoint this team. And, you know, it, there's no fans in the stadiums right now. But when we get back to major tournaments with fans, I miss the Tartan Army. It's been a long time since they have represented at a tournament. Scotland's got to get it together here. And they they got to get themselves back to a tournament. Yeah, I completely agree. Them and Ireland. I love when yeah. both of those two teams yeah. are in it. Because they're both just – their fan bases are insane. Exactly. So good for the game. Um Let's what go to Saturday. Let's go yeah. to Saturday. Uh, right. So you want to start off with Portugal so we can uh, – I we have can a bone to pick with you guys. Oh, great, great. I so, have a bone Sorry to we pick. only won 4-1, to one and you, that was the play you gave me. Thank no. you for the 150 bucks, <laughs> by the way, that, Yo, that my I collected pleasure, as a result. <laughs> <laughs> it, right. it was my pleasure. I was very happy for you guys. I love the lineup that you guys put. Obviously, it's better with Ronaldo out there. Yeah. Really good showing from you guys. You guys dominated, especially the first half, too. You guys did deserve going up. Um, my main my main pet peeve, though, uh, excuse me, I had you guys to keep a clean sheet. Okay, I'm glad you said that because that's my pet peeve, too. That ruined it for me t- to an extent. I hate, I, I hate when teams blow a, t- a clean sheet in the final minutes like that just because you're up 3-0. Yeah. I had them to keep a clean sheet at 3-0, and I'm like, all right, cool. Croatia hasn't come down the field at all. We're looking pretty good yeah. right now. Next thing you know, they nick a goal, and I'm like, are you and, kidding me? And it's funny because I, I was watching France and Sweden at the same time I had it off on another screen and because we're in the same group here. And I know this is UEFA Nations. For me, I, I want to win again. Okay, I want to win this this competition again. So we're up 3-0. France is up 1-0, and I see a BS call 
against uh, <laughs> against Sweden. All right, and I see Griezmann stepping up to take up take a penalty kick. I see Croatia score right at that moment. It's three one, and I said, "Crap, he's gonna make it two 0 And now we're virtually tied with with France, and we're gonna have to go into that game having to win because goal difference may be the decider in this group. Okay, and <laughs> Griezmann shanks it. it I, I I cheered Griezmann shanking it as almost like I cheered a goal, and then seconds later we made it four to one, and it was all. It was all better after that. But, yeah, Victor Lindelof uh, takes down Anthony Martial. It was pretty, pretty funny, uh, or at least the referee thought he took him down, uh, the two Manchester United teammates, and pointed to the spot. But Griezmann shanked the penalty kick. Um, Martial was already off, off the pitch at that time, if I'm not mistaken. But, yeah, no, overall, Portugal, that's the best Portugal uh, match I've seen in a long, long, long time uh, as far as from play. I to to curb my excitement just a little bit though Croatia really let them do whatever they wanted and yeah. that's not a good approach against Portugal to just let them do that um they didn't they didn't put Portugal under any pressure i don't think uh i mean we've got a 54 year old center back in pep and they didn't, <laughs> they didn't even try to try to exploit that yeah, I mean, and he looks great when he doesn't have to defend. It, it's great. The team stayed organized for about 80 minutes, you know, and then they fell apart there in the last 10 minutes. But the, when you've got – here's the thing. I, you, you hear me all the time hating on possession or just kind of clarifying my belief on possession. But and – I'm, and I'm hard on teams that can't defend. But when you have Bernardo Silva, Bruno Fernandes, okay, in your team – the other, t- I, I struggle to think of a team that, other than probably France, that is going to actually take the ball and force you to defend for long stretches of time. Absolutely. Right. And so our defensive frailties, and they're, they're, they're there. Okay, a lot of people point to Rafael Guerrero at left back and his inability to defend and the fact that at Dortmund he plays as a left midfielder. All right. But then you get a guy like, like Joao Cancelo yesterday. who's not, He's the second choice right back on most weekends for us and he comes for in and, and it looks like he solidified his place i mean that that was a, a wonder striker with the left foot that that really put me at ease because this game was looking like one of those where you're gonna hit the post you're gonna hit the goalie's head you're gonna hit everything <laughs> but the goal and i could i was picturing a game where we just kept <laughs> wasting these chances wasting them and then uh croatia's gonna go down once and score off a long throw in or something like that and fortunately, no, Cancelo put one in, and then we got the second one in the second half, and things things evened out after that. But, yeah, that first goal from uh, from Joan Cancelo was uh, huge. And we talked about this on the show. It was on last night when we I had to pick a man of the match. I picked Diogo Jota yesterday. I thought he was awesome. He was – Joan Felix was good as well, moving off the ball, creating space. Um, he ends up getting his first international goal. But I thought Diogo Jota from, from Wolves – well, was the best player on the pitch yesterday. Um, and the worst player on the pitch was Sergio Oliveira. And that is because he is Sergio Oliveira. Who the hell does he think he is stepping onto a field in a Portugal jersey with the number seven on? That right there, send him back to Porto. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> yeah, that was tough, man. I, I was watching, I'm like, do I ask him about this? Do I let him go? 
And then I looked at the clock and I had something to do after the game. I was like, <laughs> if I get him going, he's going to keep us going here for 45 <laughs> minutes. So I'm going to let that go. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that, that's my, uh, that's my worst player of the match yesterday is him for being in the match. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, you know, I'm a huge fan of Diogo Yota. I think that yeah. dude is a superstar. I think that he's the perfect kind of player to play with Jao Felix. Yeah, um, they combine really, really, well. really good at making the runs in behind. I think Jao Felix is mm-hmm. a phenomenal playmaker. Uh, those two just complement each other so so well. You throw in Ronaldo too, and yeah. that team, that team moving forward is what, just what's fantastic. exciting for me is you've got pieces around Ronaldo that can let Ronaldo just worry about scoring goals and staying up high. We don't need him to come back and get the ball and bring it up the pitch anymore. Like he, we had to, you know, circa 2012 where he had to outscore Zlatan in that, that, <laughs> in that playoff to get to the World Cup in 2014 where it was like five goals for Ronaldo, three for Zlatan in that game. <laughs> it's like, that, that was the way we had to play was defend with 10 and hope he scored. Those days are, are behind us. And it looks like this is going to be a fun couple of years. And I can't wait for the Euros with this squad. And I'm not saying we're going to win it again. We're in a ridiculously tough group with with France and Mm -hmm. Germany. But I'm really excited to see them play against top teams. I think you guys are the best team in Europe. I'll be honest with you guys. I think that you guys might be the best team in the world. Um, There's just so much depth on that team. And you look at it and you're just like, yeah. I'm not sure. uh, Sorry. Um, Rui Patricio, never been a huge fan of Rui Patricio. Nice to see Anthony Lopez get a start. It was good like, for Anthony, yeah. Yeah, he, he played really, really well. I mean, you guys are just so deep and you guys are so good. And I, I think that's something that we learned about yesterday was that you don't need Ronaldo. No, I mean, no, he's yeah. just a piece. He helps, but he, he's, he's quite good. It's never mm-hmm. a bad thing to have the guy right. on the field, but you guys really don't need him, man. You guys are stacked across the board. You guys have guys that are fit. You guys have the guys that can playmate, guys that can score, guys that can defend. You have the central defenders. You guys mm-hmm. have attacking midfielders. I mean, there is not a weak spot in that lineup. And I think you guys are one of the few international teams that can really say that. I think that you guys are built to win the Euro. And quite frankly, it wouldn't surprise me at all if you guys go on to win the World Cup in 2022. Yeah. 22. I had to think about it, man. You know, anybody can win it. And and it all depends who plays the best for that month out of a four-year period. But Mm -hmm. the talent for – I agree with you. Player for player, I'll put us up against anybody right now. But I got a lot of respect for France. And in October, we're going to see that game. We're going to see those two teams play. I believe they're going to play both matches in that next window. And that'll be fun. Um, I know they got they got something to uh, resolve from that Euro 2016 final, but we'll see. we're and you know Alejandro Moreno said this on ABC. You know we're a much better team than we were in 2016. That doesn't mean we're going to win because it takes a lot of things to win a tournament. But and I'm not getting ahead of myself by any means. But player for player, yeah, it's a it's a much much. There's players that were in that team that can't make this team anymore, and it's not because mm-hmm. they've dropped, but it's because this group of players has just risen and passed them. You mean like Eder? Well, Eder's playing in Russia. He's he, 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 he's Saint Eder in Portugal. No, he's in he's in, <laughs> he's in China now, isn't he? Is he in, I thought he was still at Locomotive, but you could be right. No, because I think I bet against him the other day, and I think that he <laughs> scored. And I was like, this guy again. Fun story about 2016 for the listeners. I took France as a future to win the entire tournament. I took them at the start. It was one of my first uh, relatively large wagers. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was very excited. I was very happy. Coming into that final, I was presented with the opportunity to hedge. 
mm-hmm. because Portugal was a plus 200 underdog. And I mm-hmm. said, my, no, no, France at home, mm-hmm. all that stuff. I saw Ronaldo go out. I was basically. You thought dancing. you had it. You were going to the bank. <laughs> I said it was over. I said, wow, I'm going to cash this huge ticket. I felt like a G. Mm-hmm. Edder scored and literally the blood drained from my body. And now that I know you, I'm very happy for you. But you know what? I didn't know you back then. And every Portuguese person I met, I looked at them like this. <laughs> like I, my father had a pizza back then. And I, I, we had a lot of Portuguese customers. Uh-huh. And for like a month after that euro, I thought about charging them double to just kind of get my money back from that. But yeah, that was tough. That was a tough 2016, man. Yeah. <sighs> Let's run down the rest of the results from from uh, yesterday. Then we'll talk quickly on today and, and talk about what's coming up this week. All right. Yep. So we got Iceland nil, England one, Denmark nil, Belgium two. No surprises there. Any thoughts? Uh, not a whole lot. Iceland still can't believe that they're in league A. They've they've been on the decline. Uh, great yeah. story, but I think they're done. Um, just want to check out the rest of the group. It's obviously England, and then you have yeah, you the got Belgium, match, yeah. Denmark. Denmark. Denmark's very very good team. Uh, they're on the rise as well, so I think that they're going to be moving down. No real surprises. Um, group C, it was Macedonia 2, Armenia 1. Are you kidding me with this match? Three penalties in this match? You you were texting. You were blowing up my Three? phone during this one. Three penalties? I had the under two and a half. How in the world are there three penalties? You can't make that stuff up. I'm not going to get started. <laughs> Three penalties, I had the under two and a half. That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. And not not just that, but all three of them get converted. God forbid I need one human being to kick me a penalty. It's going into the 12th row. Oh, so annoyed. But, yeah, then we had <laughs> Azerbaijan losing to Luxembourg. That was a real surprise. But it kind of goes to what we were talking about. You know, Luxembourg now has something to play for. They're yeah. getting some belief. Uh, good result for them. Then you have Montenegro. Montenegro 2-0. Uh, 2-0 over Cyprus. Really disappointing from Cyprus. Yeah. Um, really, really upsetting. I, I, Cyprus is like the baby brother to yeah, Greece. Yeah, they're your so, little you know, brother. No, of, no question. Yeah, so, I mean, that was tough to watch. And then Georgia, Estonia, one nothing. But, I mean, that's a tough one to really care about. And then the big one. <laughs> Gibraltar won. <laughs> San Marino nil. Oh, I don't know Christ. if any other podcast on planet Earth is, is talking about Gibraltar won, San Marino nil. What I would love to did you get think of touch. this one. <laughs> I would love to get in touch with ESPN just to know, like, what were their numbers for that game? Did they show it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the games are on ESPN Plus. That's true. Um, that's true. They have exclusive rights. I the would. Of the w- match was Graham Toria. Yeah, Japan. he's an up and comer. <laughs> what a superstar, Graham Toria. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh man, we've got way off topic here. Let's but look this... at the table in that. <laughs> what? Is Gibraltar about to move up? Okay, so there's three teams in Group Two. Gibraltar's top of the table. Oh my God, they all Lechen, suck. The mighty Lechtenstein is in there too, so we'll see what they can do against Gibraltar. But again, one of these teams is going to a four-team playoff. Oh my God! For a spot in the World Cup. All right, I'm I might officially be off the U.S. Nations. <laughs> this is Gibraltar, Lichtenstein, San Marino, guys. <laughs> What? All right, yeah, that's that's a tough one to defend, man. That is really hard. That is re- that is the worst group I've ever seen in my life. We could literally field better teams with a picket sign outside the YMCA saying, "You want to play soccer for a national team?" We could probably like field thirty-three better players. 
But yeah, I mean, good for Gibraltar. One yeah. nothing. You guys should be very happy for yourselves. Um, but let's go ahead. Let's move on to let's today. Let's go to today. Spain four, Ukraine nil. This one surprises me a bit. I'm I'm gonna think it surprises you also. I was all over the under three in this game. I was expecting, you know, Spain's tiki taka to not yeah. be able to score. Ukraine again, we went over it very stable defensively. Uh, I thought this was in. a game where Spain could possess for the entire game. You could have a game where the Ukraine does not touch the ball other than to kick off mm-hmm. and it finished zero zero, but it didn't happen. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was thinking maybe one nothing, maybe <laughs> one nothing, two yeah. nothing, like a late stupid goal. Um, especially with the lineup that Spain put out there. I mean, you have Rodri and Thiago in the middle mm-hmm. of the field. I wasn't expecting many goals, but again, this was just another another example. Be it off, dude. Call, call it a day, bro. Go play with the grandkids. And Yo. then you got you got Switzerland one, Germany one. It's disappointing uh, result for Germany after you know nearly getting three points against Spain. They were seconds away from it in the first game and now they're they're looking at having only two points after two matches yeah i mean this just this german team it kind of feels like um what's his name joaquin low he's just not he doesn't know what to do at this point and it's not that he's not a great manager he just doesn't have the great players that he used to have there is no i mean you look at this lineup and you have Mateus ginter uh nicholas an out of shape nicholas sula uh, Rudiger on the We talked of, about that during the Champions League yeah, about Nicolas Sula. Yeah, and then you have guys like Goosens. I I watch a fair amount of soccer. I never heard of that dude. Then you got older guys like Tony Cruz and Gudewan. I mean, neither of those guys are what they used to be. They're starting in the middle of the field. Then you have Ketterer as a right back. And again, he's yeah. more of a center back. He's I'm more of sure. a center back, yeah. I mean, you look at the two attackers up top. I mean, you got my boy Leroy Sané, huge mm-hmm. fan of Sané. Love him. Timo Werner, he's world-class. And then you have Julian Draxler as the attacking midfielder. I mean, I'm not a huge Draxler guy. This just is not the same German team that we remember. At this point, it's kind of starting to feel like Germans are just a name. Um, and then if you look at the guys that came in the game, Julian Brandt, meh, pretty good. Mm-hmm. Not Germany-worthy. Um, Emery Chan. Never been a huge fan of his. Perfectly fine defender. Not German-worthy. And then you have Jonathan Ta, who's just a young kid trying to find his way right now. So, I mean, just not the same Germany team that we'd remember. Really disappointing performance from them. Um, Switzerland kind of did what Switzerland does. They kind of set up in a 5-5-1 um, scenario with Seferovic playing by himself up top. 4-5-1. Right or 5-4-1, I should say. Yeah, uh, sorry about that. Um but yeah, just did not... I ever tell you now that you say five five one? Ever tell you about the time I threw a twelfth player on the field as a coach? No, referee never caught it. Oh yeah, we're about to lose a lot of credibility. <laughs> again. It's final seconds. The ref and never I, caught it. Well, I the kid never pulled the kid never pulled the guy he was supposed to off the field. All right. And someone says, "Coach, we got twelve guys." I said, "Shh." We're defending a corner to, to hold a result. <laughs> That's the worst. I'll when take the, the yellow card when they realize it. But I said, shh. Yeah. No one so even hard. counted. They, they, <laughs> we dealt with the corner. It got cleared. Oh God, the referee blew his whistle full time. Nobody bothered to count the number of players on the field. It was, it was, it was a thing of beauty. Dude, I can imagine as a coach, too, it's really hard, like, not to appreciate the kid's honesty and be like, yeah, dude, your parents raised you right. On the other hand, it's like, shut up, you idiot. Oh, yeah, I channeled my inner Jose <laughs> Mourinho because he's the only one I could picture trying that. <laughs> shut up, stupid. You, you're failing math. Now you learned how to count, dummy. 
<laughs> oh, man. Oh, I, dig- I digress. We're in League B. Hungary, two. Russia, three. Russia's got six points now, like you said. Serbia, nil. Turkey, nil. What do you think about group uh, League B, group three? Yeah, we were on Wales today. What a just thank you, Wales. 94th minute goal. Nico Williams, great goal. Um, Wales annoys me to no end because they should be so much better than they are. Um, still without a striker. I don't understand why they don't play Gary Bell as a striker, but that's neither here nor there. Mm-hmm. Good win for them. Russia really did their best to choke away a 3-0 lead, but they end up getting the job done. Ireland, another team that we've talked about, just mm-hmm. can't find their way anymore. Um, good job by Finland, who continues to get better. They're one of those teams that just continues yeah. to progress that nobody talks about. And then Serbia, Turkey, I thought both teams were really disappointing. Um, not a whole lot to say about that matchup. 0-0, not a whole lot of chances. I watched a decent portion of it after the game, but um, not a huge fan of that. Then in Group C, our group, Slovenia beats Moldova. Slovenia did not play well in the slightest. I'm actually – it helped me grow a little bit of confidence that we might actually yeah. win this group. Greece, A-plus performance today. Not A-plus. That was a solid A performance. You know, hey, it's three points. Dead. Forget about the three points for a minute. It was good to see the boys mm-hmm. – they followed it up. It was a whole new lineup. Uh, I was a little bit worried. I was a little bit worried seeing Fortunis in the lineup just because he's so damn lazy. Um, but you know what? He actually played pretty well today. He worked hard. Um, I'm very worried about Stefan Lidis, who definitely dislocated his shoulder. It was an ugly injury. But again, I love the fact that we're incorporating the young kids. We still have some veterans. Um, we seem to be developing a style. It's going against what we've done for the last 20 years. But you know what? I really do think that this Vondership dude, uh, he knows what he's doing. He understands, he understands the importance of this team, um, the importance of growing together and getting the young kids in there and sticking to a philosophy even when they fail. Um, great job by Siovas coming on for Stefalidis. He scored a very, very nice goal. He took it down easily and he buried it. Good job there. Liminos, this kid just continues to play well. He continues to grow. Great stuff there. Kuluri is a very, very interesting dude because he has a lot of the – he has a lot of talent. He just – he just can't put it together, and he kind of sort of has that – kind of sort of has the Fortunis in him where he's just kind of sort of lazy, but he's starting to grow out of it. You can see that the coach is trying to coach it out of him. But, again, key factor for us today, Zeka and uh, Kurbelis in the middle of the pitch dominate the game uh great job by them we dominated the possession Kosovo end up scoring a late goal because Barkas just falls asleep he trips over his own guy mm-hmm. tough goal to give up but we were up to nothing at the time and quite frankly we did a great job defending at the end Excellent. very happy with this kind of performance um I really think that we are the favorites to get through in this group especially the way the Slovenia looked um against us and uh, again today and that was in Slovenia was it not yeah, yeah. I mean, they really didn't deserve that one though win. It really should have mm-hmm. gone zero zero. But uh, and then in Group D, Faroe Islands beating Andorra, and then Malta, Latvia going one one. Uh, again, happy for the Faroe Islands. Six yeah, points for Faroe Islands. Roll. Yeah, six points. Latvia in second place with two. It looks like they're going to be promoted. Um, very happy for them. Honestly, they've mm-hmm. been growing as a group. Good stuff from them. Um, but we got a long week coming up, man. And we, yeah, we got we got a whole nother slate of, of matches coming up in the next two days or so. I, I love how we aim to keep this at 30 minutes. We're already at 40, Capitano. No problem, you know, buddy. This is probably a conversation for off the air, but we might have to spin this off into its own podcast. You know, yeah, you know what? You guys should 
you know, we're going to put up a poll, uh, poll, a poll on, on Twitter. Yeah. yeah. So all you that want us to make our own podcast every week, you guys just let us know. <laughs> all right. But uh, yeah, let's go ahead. Let's take a look here. We're looking at the yeah, way we got tomorrow. League tomorrow. Um, we have one early start. It is in group C. It is the Kazakhstan Belarus matchup. Nobody cares about uh, then the other one in group C, all the other games are at 245. You got Albania, Lithuania, nobody cares. Um, and then you got Northern Ireland, Norway. That should be a really interesting matchup because you're going to have Northern Ireland. That's very, very good defensively. They're going to be slightly exhausted after the, um, after having to play with 10 guys against, mm-hmm. um, I forgot who it was. Oh, wow. Oh, against Romania. Sorry. Romania. Sorry. Yeah, and then you got Holland for Norway. Yeah. Is he going to be able to take advantage of it? I'm very interested to see that matchup. Yeah. I'm definitely going to be tuning in for that one. Then you have Austria, Romania. Not a huge fan of either team. Romania has kind of passed their glory days. Austria, we already A little bit over. of interest to see, see what Austria does here since we're hearing so much about them. Yeah, you know, and I'm just trying to pull up the odds here. And again, Austria, minus 143. I don't understand this line. I don't understand this <laughs> infatuation with Austria. What is it about this team? What am I missing? Am I slow? I don't know. I have to be missing something for the last three years where Austria just continues to be favored with the bookies. But, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if they end up winning this game just because Romania is not that great. But still, I mean, you want to talk about a value play? Yeah, I mean, Romania maybe. It wouldn't overly surprise me if they could mm-hmm. pull a shocker. But um, then you got Czech Republic. Scotland should be a very, very interesting matchup. Um I'm looking at Scotland. Again, they're going to be very, very solid defensively. You know what you're going to get from them. Czech Republic, another team past the glory days. Um, you you got any feelings on this one? I mean, again, I I want to see Scotland come back into the into the into the international fold. Um, so I'll keep an eye on the score, but no, I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't be putting anything down on Czech Republic, Scotland. Yeah, and then the other game in Group B is going to be Slovakia, Israel. Actually, not minding a whole lot of value here on Slovakia. Slovakia mm-hmm. sitting at plus 279 on the money line. That definitely might be worth a little bit of a dabble there mm-hmm. uh, because I'm not huge on Israel, but to be fair, I don't know a whole lot. About I don't know much really. about them either. Slovakia definitely has some talent and stuff. So, I mean, definitely one worth a look, maybe even the draw plus 234. Actually, you know what? Take Slovakia half plus half a goal. You're going to get it minus 120. It's not a bad play at all. I'll mm-hmm. probably put that on the list for tomorrow. Um, and then Group A, the headliners. You got Bosnia-Herzegovina uh, against and Poland. Poland. Uh, I'm looking at that one, and honestly, I kind of sort of like Poland at a pick just because there's not a whole lot. What are they giving on Poland the downside. Uh, Poland is plus 174 on the money line, but they're even money on the pick. So I'm looking at that one. They That might be worth a dabble. The last one is going to be in Group A. It's Netherlands and Italy. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's going to be a huge matchup. Italy, we've kind of gone over at length. They're sitting at plus 222. How do you feel about this matchup? This is the kind of matchup I think Italy is better suited for because they're going to face a team that's going to want to have the ball and go at them and allow them the opportunities probably to get a counterattack or two because that's what they want to do. And I feel this this could be real interesting. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't be throwing money on this one. It, it's, it can go one of many ways. I'm not sold on the Netherlands yet, like you said. Uh, they're, still, they're still coming up. They're coming back from, you know, they were very good and then had a really, really bad, you know, fall through the ranks. And now they're working their way back up into the elite uh, the elite places of international football, but I don't trust them 
to take care of business against an Italian team that can be very, very opportunistic. Right. I completely agree. I, this is one of those that's a toss up. I don't think I would necessarily put anything on it. I don't mm-hmm. think it's going to be on tomorrow's slate. If I had, if you put a gun to my head, I'm probably leaning toward the Netherlands in mm-hmm. that one. Cause you're going to get a plus three, uh, plus one thirty five, okay. decent value there. But I mean, just, yeah, that one's going to be a hard skip for me. Uh, Tuesday, we have a pretty interesting lineup. We have a group D matchup between the two heavyweights, San Marino and Lichtenstein. I mean, I'm fired. First up place is on the line for Lichtenstein. Sign me up, coach. They There's gotta keep the, pace with Gibraltar. Solid fifteen people watching. That ought to be great. Um that was just that one's got nothing for me. Luxembourg Montenegro. <laughs> that's that's a decent one in group uh group C. It'll be an important one to see if Luxembourg can really follow up that good result. Uh Montenegro, halfway decent team. Montenegro is favorite to win that matchup. Um then in group C we have Cyprus, Azerbaijan. This is one that I'm looking at, and I say, hmm, very interesting. Cyprus, they do have some talent on this team. Um, can they get it together after that embarrassing performance last time out? And I, Azerbaijan is one of those teams that I know you've, you've mentioned them before to me. So I look at Azerbaijan. They're one of those teams that kind of sort of play up to their opponents. Yeah. Um, they finished their last, I believe it was the Euro qualifying, where they had just one point. It was very, very disappointed out of them. So, I mean, that wasn't overly great. But they're one of those teams that if they play a Germany, yeah, I'm taking them to cover because they usually do play pretty well. Um, but in a game like this one, I kind of sort of lean for Cyprus. It is a huge game for Cyprus. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Kipro, they have been going over just the fact that they want to continue to grow, that they want to be a better national team, that they want to progress in this tournament. They are taking it very, very seriously. And this is a group where, yeah, if they could pull out a win on Monday, or excuse me, on Tuesday, yeah, they're going to have a chance because Montenegro, Luxembourg, meh, neither team's very, very good. I think Cyprus will be the favorite if they can get back on level terms for that top place. Um, the other one is going to be in the uh, league seat is going to be Armenia, Armenia, Estonia. I'm staying away from this one. Armenia currently minus 121 as a favorite. Not a huge fan. I didn't see any Mkhitaryan the other day. The fact that they give up two penalties in one game, that's a red flag for me. But good news is if they have to take another penalty, apparently they don't miss. God forbid. But that's perfectly fine. That's just me picking a bone there. Um, So no real value in that one. And then the big ones, we got four Group A matchups. Obviously, we got Sweden-Portugal on Tuesday. That should be very, very interesting. Portugal currently listed minus 121 on the money line in that one. How do you feel about it? We're going to see Ronaldo, by the way? That's what I'm actually if – you, if you guys saw me there on the video, I don't know if it, it, it flashed me or not. I was, I was actually looking to get the latest on that. I don't see any news at all about whether or not he's going to play. I know that keeping him out in this last uh, match was, was geared at the hope that he'd be able to play against Sweden. Um, but right. I did hear that I heard something yesterday on the broadcast that he may not be available. He may so. not, but they were hope they were hopeful when they shut him down on Thursday that he'd recover in time to to give an effort against Sweden. Um, this is a tough matchup for us. I it's not going to be like like Croatia in that I don't think Sweden's going to let us just do whatever we want with the ball. I think Sweden's going to get physical. Uh, they. They've got their own good players too, and they can they can work. They've got good size. They're usually well organized, motivated. We're gonna have to get on the board early. I think if we're chasing a result, we're gonna get in trouble in this one. 
Um, and we got to keep pace with, with France, if you ask me, because uh, France is going to be hosting Croatia at the same exact time. And again, they've, they know that depending how, where they prioritize this tournament, but they know they got two goals. They got to make up to, to make up a goal difference. And um, France currently listed as minus one ninety to get the mm-hmm. win. Um, they are minus one ten and minus one goal. So yeah, so the bookmakers definitely favor France, and I don't really blame them, especially after the mm-hmm. way Croatia played against you guys. And again, that was more about you guys than I feel it was about Croatia. Okay. But Croatia didn't really. I, and really I can't, I can't it. watch that game yesterday and then come out here and get pessimistic about going to Sweden. I just said that I didn't, you know, that I don't see many teams in the world that are gonna get the ball from us for long stretches of time. With that said, I think we're going to get our opportunities. It's going to come down to whether or not we can finish. We're not always the most efficient at finishing. And <laughs> if Ronaldo's not there, and you know he's hungry to score. He's, he's at 99 international goals. Yeah. All right. And I think the record is 109 for, for all time. He's, he wants to get his 100th international goal, and then he wants to go for the all-time international goal record. He's sticking around probably – as much for, for that as for any team uh, award. And I think he's, he, it's, a, it's a time where, like I said, he's got, he's got finally a team around him where he doesn't have to do everything. So it's probably a really fun time for him to be playing in a national team with all right. these guys half his age that, that grew up idolizing him. And obviously he's, he's the most respected guy in the locker room, but he runs the lo- every locker room he's in. And we talked about it last week. I'm not going to. I'm not going to digress off of that, but he is a guy that, that owns the locker room. And I think he's a perfect leader for these young players. And I think if he plays, it's a boost, but I think the team's going to be confident without him. Uh, again, I could see the same 11 rollout. Santos doesn't normally roll out the same 11 back to back in nation's league per se. So we may see a couple changes. He may give an opportunity to somebody else uh, tomorrow and, I could see a Joao Moutinho coming off and a different midfielder being slotted in. Um, we'll, we'll see what, what the manager decides to do with that. Not everybody's fully healthy, but you could see from the previous match, uh, they were much fitter than Croatia, mm-hmm. but I think fitness might be a little bit more even when they, when they see Sweden. Yeah. Um, very, very interesting two matchups there, but I did want to touch on the other matchups in um, in Group 1. Belgium-Iceland, I don't see that game being competitive. Do you? No. I yeah. think Belgium is, is uh, far better than Iceland, and they're, they're well-composed. and Especially with Lukaku playing the way that he is yeah, and the way exactly. that the goal-scoring form that he's been in. Um, so much quality in that Belgian team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially my boy De Bruyne running the show. Um, Hazard, we, Hazard. We don't need to get into it. Vitzel. That game should be a massacre. <laughs> <laughs> it's still the greatest name in all of sports, man. Yeah. Axel Witzel. I wish yeah. more people in America watched sports just to get into that name, dude. Yeah. What a what a name, and especially with the afro too. Like, oh yeah, he does it all. Arm. He does it all. Love that guy. But the other one I wanted to touch on. Is Denmark-England, I think that this matchup is absolutely fascinating. I'm really looking forward to see what the lineups look like here. Um, who's going to play? Who's not going to play? I'm looking at Denmark here, and I'm wondering, are they worth a play at plus 271? That's a really juicy line, especially against an England team that we're not really sure how serious that they're going to take this. Um, they didn't play very well against Iceland, despite the fact that they won one nothing. Uh, I'm looking at this one. I'm just pulling up the lineup to see who they rolled out as well. Um, 
Now, Jaden Sancho was in the lineup there. Jordy Pickford, I think he's the most underrated goal in the world. I love Jordan Pickford. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, the very defensive lineup for England in the last game. Five defenders, five pure defenders there. Not a whole lot moving forward. You saw Phil floating. You saw Jaden Sancho. Uh, obviously, Harry Kane and Sterling up top could make things difficult. But Denmark's a very, very stable defensive team. Uh, and they do have some quality moving forward. So if they're going to get a chance, then, you know, they could possibly open up, um, could open things up for Polson in the air. Yeah, I was going to say Polson. I love Casper Dolberg. I think that mm-hmm. he he has serious potential to be a world-class striker. Don't forget about Christian Eriksen, who yeah. was coming off the bench for Inter Milan. He's still a really, really good playmaker. And then Braithwaite, who's somehow on Barcelona. which Yeah, I that's right. Know. He sure is. But um, he's another guy, you know, he's perfectly capable of scoring a goal for Denmark. Very, very interesting team. I'm looking at Denmark here and I'm really, I love them at plus one and a half, uh, excuse me, plus half a goal. I think that they will be able to get a result in this one, but taking them at plus 271 to actually win the game, especially where it's in Denmark and then they're familiar with the settings and things like that. I'm looking at that one. And I'm saying, yeah, I can 100% that, see Denmark. That pulling sounds the like there. some really good value on, on Denmark here. And we saw England struggle to, you know, with Iceland, and it 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 took a late goal to to get that result. And yeah, you know what? I really think that that defensive lineup just, you know, it's yeah. just not a good look for England. I don't think that it fits the players that England necessarily have because you don't have the, those transition players, kind of like how Bayern has Thiago in the middle of the pitch, but Thiago can also become an attacking forward or like Goretzka, very similar player. They really don't have that transition player. You know what I mean? They have Declan Rice toward the middle of the field. Um, Who was the other guy? I just had it up. They had one more dude. Hold on one second. Let's see here. So, yeah, so it's going to be Declan Rice and then James Ward-Prowse. Not a huge fan of him moving forward. Um, I'd be interested to see if Jack Grealish can get in the, get on the field. That would be a very, very interesting one. But again, I'm very wonder, I'm wondering what this lineup is going to look like, uh, especially on such short notice, especially, uh, seeing that they played with 10 guys for a little Mm -hmm. while. Going to be a very, very interesting thing. Also something that we haven't touched on was the fact that it took Iceland missing a penalty in the 93rd minute for them to even get the win. Right. Um, so I'm looking at this one. I just really think that Denmark is one of my favorite plays this week. Uh, you will nice definitely play. see them on the board. That is a nice play. And with that, I'm going to ask you. <laughs> somebody's got 100 bucks, and they're asking you to make one pick this week. What are you picking in the football world this week? Only 100 bucks, huh? Whatever. You name the number. <laughs> you, you... Give me a number 1 to 10. We used to play this game in the we office, used to guys. play this game in the office. So number very... Very, well, very dangerous. Say, Give me a number from one to ten, and you'd say six. He's like, six grand it is uh, on Russian table tennis. Oh, my God. No, Russian table tennis was yeah, a corona-only just... thing. I have not watched a single thing of table tennis since the sports have been back. <laughs> oh, man. Vladimir Namaskalo, I love you, buddy. I see you over there, man. You, you did your thing for a couple months for me. I'll um, never forget the day you asked me, hey. Should I take Igor or Sergey? And I said, what? <laughs> he goes, just pick a name, Igor or Sergey. <laughs> hey, man. So there was, there was times, man, where it was tough to be a DJ, man. I was, 
taking calls. I was watching Russian table tennis. There's nowhere to even watch Russian table tennis. So you're sitting there just watching scores flashing. You're like, yeah, no you idea. Got, you got excited made. the day you had an Indian cricket test. Uh, oh my God. Yeah, dude, the cricket match. Oh, what a great match it was too. And it was on ESPN plus. So I could sit there for six hours and watch it. Oh man. Especially when the wickets hit the ground, dude, it's electric. <laughs> What's your play of the week this week? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So play of this week, we actually, <coughs> excuse me, play of the week, we did just touch on it. It is for me. It is definitely going to be Denmark. Mm-hmm. I'm looking this, for those of you that listen to the podcast, you guys may know, I like doing a little bit of a two for a times where I'll throw two units on a plus a half a goal and then take a unit on the money line to kind of dabble to see if we can do it. That that may be what we do here. I may scale, I may scale it down to doing uh, just one unit on the plus half a goal because it is minus one thirty. I don't want to necessarily get caught up in too much juice. Um, so possibly go one unit on half a goal for Denmark and then put half a unit on the money line at plus two seventy one. If they end up winning the game, we're looking good. If they end up just getting a result, that's still perfect for us. We still end up with plus half a unit. We're perfectly content with that. All right, everyone, you heard it there from Leo himself. Go over to betonline.ag and click on that bet. Take Denmark on the money line plus half a unit on uh, – what was the – would you give the half a unit on? <laughs> no, man. You got to go half unit on the money line. Half plus unit on the money line. And, and yeah. then you're going to throw one unit, one full unit. You're going to throw the, it on, on the, the uh, plus half a goal. Plus half a goal. Yep. So that is the official play for DJs United. Capitano, we got anything else to cover today? No, we're good, man. This is this has been another great episode of the of the Sunday night sports book. And um I think I think we answered the question. I don't even think it needs to go to a poll. I think we need to spend this into its own podcast. We're gonna we're gonna switch this up to the Sunday night soccer sports book. Yeah soccer book sports (laughs) soccer sports book. Maybe we can have a poll about what we're gonna call it. Yeah, yeah. Anybody. Yo, listeners, you guys want to get creative? Throw something out at us, all right? All right. Thank you, Leo, for joining me again. And we're definitely going to be doing this a lot more. Uh, (laughs) We're going to be here each and every Sunday night, of course, um, unless there's a lightning storm and one of us doesn't have power. (laughs) Or if one of us got to go to the puppy park, man. You never know, man. We're cutting it close sometimes. What's great about podcasting is you can get Zoom on on your cell phone and we can still do. We can still get this podcast going. That's that is that would be definitely interesting, pal. All right, guys, everybody, <laughs> thank you for watching on YouTube. Thank you to everybody listening on the PTB Media Network uh, through the Parking the Bus podcast. And uh, any any final parting words, Leo? Uh, no, just make sure that you follow us on Twitter, DJs underscore United. Um, be sure to check out the website too. I'm doing some. Both of us are doing some renditions yeah. on the website. Yeah. We're making it sexy, any day we're now, it pretty. <laughs> any day now, we're just I've waiting. Been- for- we're just waiting for the developer to get back to us. That's but it, no, that's problem, it. no problem. No <laughs> problem. All but, right. Uh, yeah, guys. So on that note, have a great week. We'll see All you guys right. next week. Thanks, Leo. We will be right back with the Brazilian League. All right. We're going to have a quick uh, rundown of what went down this week in the Brazilian Serie A here on the Parking the Bus podcast. Welcome back to Park in the Bus, episode 11. Thank you again to Leo for joining us again this week to discuss the UEFA Nations League. That was a lot of fun. We 
we we we can talk all day as you can tell we can talk football all day long but thank you again for joining me this week leo now let's take that bus way down south all right we're in the land of samba we are in brazil and it is the brasileiro seria 2020 and we're going to go through the results, just the results from this weekend. Again, that's another league where they play almost every day. They play two rounds per week. So most of the teams at this point have played eight matches as well. Yeah, most of the teams have played eight matches. We're going to go through the matches that went down this weekend. This is our final stop this week on the parking. The bus tour, if you will. And we start off yesterday, September the 5th. Flamengo 2, Fortaleza 1. Flamengo now have 1, 3 straight if I'm not mistaken. And I'm double checking that form right now. Yes, Flamengo 3 straight wins after the very tough and slow start to the Brasileirão season since the arrival of Dominic Torrent as the manager replacing Jorge Jesus. And I know it's been a little while since I've had a Flamingo Nation podcast out. Been been uh, working on so many other projects, but it's coming. I will catch everyone back up to speed on the Flamingo Nation podcast. So go to your Spotify players right now and search Flamingo Nation and subscribe so you can get those new episodes as soon as they drop. Now, continuing yesterday, Corinthians 2, Botafogo 2, Sierra Nil Santos 1. And now the matches from today, Sunday, September the 6th. The Red Bull, Bragantino, 1. Palmeiras, 2. Internacional, Porto Alegre. Inter, Porto Alegre, as they know, 2. Bahia, 2. São Paulo, 3. Fluminense, 1. Vasco da Gama, 1. Atlético Paranaense, 0. Atlético Goianense, 1. Grêmio, Porto Alegre, 1. Curitiba, 0. Atlético Mineiro, 1. In Sports Recife, 2. Goiás, 1. Let's go to the table in Brazil. And top of the table still is, after 8 rounds, Inter Porto Alegre. 17 points from 8 matches. Second place now is São Paulo with 16 points from 8 matches. Third place, Atlético Mineiro, who got off to such a hot start, have cooled off a little bit. They are third with 15 points, two points back, but with a match in hand to play, they've got seven played. So if they win their next match, if they win the match in hand, I should say, they can leapfrog the two clubs above them in two first place. Fourth place right now is Vasco da Gama, 14 points from seven matches. Fifth place also on 14 points is my boys, Flamengo. They're back in the top six here. As their three straight wins leave them with 14 points. Like I said, eight matches played. And sixth place, one point behind them, is Palmeiras with 13. Now we move into the next group of the table in the places for the Copa Sudamericana for next season. Seventh place, Santos with 11 points. Also on 11 points in eighth is Fluminense. Sport Recife is ninth with 10 points, as is Sierra in 10th, 10 points for them as well. Corinthians are 11th with 9 points, but they have a match in hand, 7 played for Corinthians. And Bahia hosting, uh, holding excuse me, down the final Copa Sudamericana spot in 12th place. They also have 9 points rounding out the table. 
13th is Fortaleza on 8. Also on 8 is Grêmio Porto Alegre. Botafogo also with 8. They're in 15th. In 16th is Atlético Paranaense with 7. They are one above the relegation line right now due to goal difference. They have a minus 3 goal difference. One better than Curitiba who are 17th also with 7 points but with a minus 4 goal difference. Atletico Goianense and Red Bull Bragantino each have six points. They're 18th and 19th, respectively. And Goyas is in 20th with four points. Let's see what the Golden Boot Race looks like right now in the Brasileirão Açaí 2020. It is Inter Porto Alegre's Thiago Gallardo with four goals atop the table. And then a whole, whole host of players with three. I will read them off and stop there with the goal scoring rate. But it is Alerando of Red Bull Bragantino, three. Kleber of Sierra has three. Filippo Bastos of Vasco da Gama. Germán Cano, also of Vasco da Gama. Marinho of Santos. Paulo Guerreiro of Inter Porto Alegre. Wellington Paulista of Fortaleza. Gabriel uh, Barbosa, better known as Gabigol of uh, Flamengo, Nene of uh, Fluminense, Hioran of uh, Atlético Mineiro, and Joe of uh, Corinthians. Those are the goal scoring leaders right now. We look at assists, and leading the way is Fernando Sobral of Sierra. He's got three. And then in second place, we have. Seven with two assists. Andre, Angelo Araj, David, Gustavo Ferrares, Marinho, Thiago Gallardo, and William Mateus, all with two assists. The fixture list coming up later this week on Wednesday. We get started off early at 4.30 in the afternoon Eastern Time, which is 5.30 p.m. in at least Rio de Janeiro. It is Atlético Paranaense hosting Botafogo. Fortaleza hosts Sport Recife. Goiás hosts Coritiba. While São Paulo hosts Red Bull Bragantino in a São Paulo State Derby. And then a big derby, a real Clásico, a Clásico Carioca between the arch rivals on Wednesday. It kicks off at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 9.30 p.m. Rio Time. It is Fluminense hosting Flamengo Fla Flu 2020. This is going to be the fifth time these two teams have met each other this season. Meeting, of course, four times in the Rio State Championship earlier this season. And then Santos hosts Atletico Mineiro in a battle of black and white stripes. Then on Thursday, we have Bahia versus Grêmio, Corinthians versus Palmeiras, Inter Porto Alegre versus Sierra, and Vasco da Gama versus Atlético Goianense. And ladies and gentlemen, that will do it for another episode of Park in the Bus. That was episode 11. A special thank you once again to Mario Mata and Leo Kukakis for their contributions to this episode. And don't forget to follow the PTB Media Network on Instagram and Twitter. Both handles are at PTB underscore 
Media. All right, stay tuned there. Lots of content coming out always. All right, there'll be more stuff there. And if you're interested in my other work, don't uh, don't forget to check out my other channels. That's Mr. Benfica and, as we said earlier in this segment, Flamengo Nation. Flamengo Nation right now only on Spotify, working on getting it to more platforms. But right now it's on Spotify. Go to Spotify, those of you that are listening on Spotify, and subscribe to Flamengo Nation. And subscribe to Mr. Benfica wherever you get your podcasts, all right? And don't forget, we've got the YouTube channel as well. If you want to watch the Sunday Night Sportsbook every week on YouTube, it's posted there on the PTB Media YouTube page, okay? Go to there and subscribe. Don't forget to check out Leo's work also at DGENs United, okay? That's at www.dgensunited.com or by searching for the DGENs United podcast. And we will be back again next week, next Sunday, you know it, here on the PTB Media Network. This is the Mr. Mike Agustinu signing off for Parking the Bus, Episode 11. Thank you, everybody, and I'll talk to you again next Sunday night. <laughs>